Hello, everybody, and welcome back to my podcast. My name is Samuel Perez, and just a little bit about myself. I used to be a former gay stripper. Yes, that's right. You heard that correctly. This is Christian in Progress. I left behind the homosexual lifestyle to walk with Christ, and this podcast is all about how I do it, why I do it, and to help others like me and educate those that are not like me. I want to talk, but I really want to talk about what a real life with Jesus looks like in 2022. Nothing is off limits, and I want to be as transparent as I possibly can be. Before we get started, I want to let everybody know that this podcast is completely crowdfunded or free to listen to, and we do accept donations, and we have some awesome rewards and gifts for those who want to become patrons of the podcast. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, click on the description and you'll find the link to becoming a patron of the podcast, which means you'll be making a regular monthly commitment. And we also have my website, SamuelAbrahamPerez.com, where you can give and find resources to give through PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App, whichever you like. And we always need all the help we can get for this podcast, guys, if you want to see it going and keep growing. But today's episode, we have Jason John Camacho. He's, in a, he's got an incredible ministry that's called Above Reproach, and he does he, he pretty much goes live on TikTok almost every single day, and he teaches people the Bibles. So how are you, bro? I'm wonderful. How are you, man? I'm so good. I'm glad to be here with you. I'm going to start us off with uh, a couple of different questions. Uh, so it's just going to be fast questions. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. I'm okay, ready. What, Let's get to it. What is your favorite Bible story? Uh, Jonah and the whale. Jonah and the whale, why? Or the fish. Because it demonstrates the resurrection of Jesus in a really cool way. That's super dope. I yeah. do like that. Somebody was talking to me about that the other day. Okay, so what is one place you always wanted to go to but didn't? Uh, Mars. Mars. I want to literally <laughs> leave this world and go to another planet. Like, not even <laughs> kidding. <laughs> That's super. I would not. <laughs> I did, just didn't even think about that. You went totally outside the boundaries of where I thought Good. that question was going to go. Okay. So what do you feel like is a chore uh, that you hate doing? A chore that I hate doing? Yeah. Like mowing the lawn? Can I yeah. say I hate that? I hate that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> How many times are you mowing the lawn? <laughs> uh, I try and push it off as much as possible. Like maybe every other week. I should be doing it every week. Dang. I do it every other week. Every week, that's intense. Um, I had a, I have a friend that, yeah, he does it like every like five days. He lives in like Tennessee, and like the grass just grows really quickly there. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't think down here, like in Miami, like we <laughs> like cut our grass that often. I mean, I don't see it cut that often, but okay. So, what is your like favorite law from the United States? Like, you just My love favorite this law. law from the United States. That's <laughs> yeah. so weird. Um, I know. <laughs> um, the the freedom of speech. The freedom of speech. Okay, okay. I like talking. So. Um, <laughs> I love that. Okay, that's great. Um, yeah, those are some cool questions. Basically, guys, how I got to know a little bit um, Jason is that I think he came up on my uh, on my TikTok one one day. And he was teaching the Bible, and I saw him. And he obviously, whenever somebody's teaching the Bible, I'm like really interested. I love the Bible. I'm like super passionate about exegetical teachings and all that stuff. And he was going deep. He was going verse by verse. And um, and he has so much knowledge. And so I hit him up. I would give him a follow. And if you haven't yet, follow him because he does those teachings still today. Like, I don't I don't even know how you make time to do those live teachings like every single day. <laughs> um, they're crazy good. And, and then he also has a Discord. And so he's kind of like very similar to kind of what I do as well. So, um, but just to get a, a little bit 
to get to know you a little bit more, what tell us a little bit about like your testimony. Like, where did you grow up? You look like I was telling you earlier, you look like a Hawaiian baby. <laughs> I do. I do. I'm 30 years old, boys and girls. I, I know. I don't look it. Uh, I grew up in San Jose, so California. And uh, growing up in the Bay Area, all the gangsters, um, I wore oversized clothing. Uh, grew up <laughs> with, uh, I guess, a mom and dad who wanted to know the truth. And so I, I grew up in, around a lot of Catholicism, tried Catholic mm -hmm. churches here and there. I had a brother who was uh, handicapped because he developed spinal meningitis. And so for the nine years of his life, yeah, he was handicapped in a wheelchair. Um, and so that's what I grew up with. And they were seeking answers. They were looking for truth. And so um, we would go to church as much as we could. Uh, I, I don't believe they actually understood the gospel until years down the road after my brother passed away, uh, which, spoiler alert, mm. when I was 10 years old, my brother did pass away. Mm. And that was hard for me, man. Um, so growing up around what I thought was uh, Jesus and church and, and, you know, the Bible, it just all comes crumbling to the ground and crashing when you're 10 years old and you get the phone call from your mom and dad who are in the hospital with your brother who just passed away and, and they tell you that he's not coming home um, that'll do something to a kid and so mm. I just remember like slamming my fist against the wall yelling throwing everything that was in my path my grandma was watching us and she's trying to calm me down I'm like you don't understand you have no idea what I'm going through and, and so I wrestled through that um, it took a lot of healing a lot of um, God comforting to bring me over that and through that and um, eventually I found myself in a Christian school uh, my parents mm -hmm. plugged us into a local church, and we'd go on Sundays. We found ourselves in a Baptist church. And so I'm getting fed the Bible at school and on Sundays, and we're going to, like, the, the youth group for elementary kids. And so I was, some, you know, immersed in Christianity for a lot of my childhood. But I still don't believe, even after my brother passed away, I'm 10 years old, I still mm -hmm. don't think they really understood the gospel. They were just going for you know, therapeutic reasons. They wanted healing. They wanted something to mend the wounds that, you know, my, my, my brother kind of left. And so they're seeking answers and, and I'm growing up and um, eventually I found myself moving to Northern California and I, I start to attend a new high school, um, a new Christian school, new church, new everything. That's when I think faith started to become, to become more real to me and so did the battles with the flesh. I think it's around mm -hmm. 13 or 14 that I, I just dabbled in pornography. It just, it just happened. Like no one really put it in my face. No one presented it to me. Just out of curiosity, what I heard my friends talking about, what I heard them, uh, you know, sharing, I thought, I'm, late, I'm up late at night. Let's check this out. And then it became a strong addiction for me um, that gripped me. And I think that actually had a lot to do uh, with me being broken from um, not just past trauma in my childhood, but also losing my brother. So I think the two ideas really go hand in hand, is that looking for something to, to mend the wound, looking for something to heal, um, mm. and, and then expressing that in a sexual manner. And so I found that that really gripped my life for so long. I remember in high school, I was a freshman, and the speaker came to our chapel. He drops the gospel, but in like a really hammering kind of, you're going to hell way. And I remember going mm. to sleep terrified that night. He's <laughs> like, I don't want to go to hell. And so I prayed and said, God, I don't want to go to hell. Please get me out. And I thought I was a believer. I thought from that moment, like I really believed. I didn't find out until I was 19, 20 years old in a worship session, in a worship room with other believers. I didn't find out until then that I really didn't understand the gospel myself. I really didn't know Jesus. I didn't have a relationship mm -hmm. with him. Uh, I dabbled. I knew a lot about God. I knew the information. I could quote the scripture. We did devotionals at home. 
I was submerged in Christianity to the point that it almost made me numb towards the things of God, and I didn't even know it. And mm-hmm. so I was self-deceived. And in this worship session at a house uh, gathering with other college-age believers, I was in worship, praising, right, singing the words, and then God exposed me. Like He straight up exposed me. I remember Him um, in, like, in my thoughts. I just thought, you're not real. You don't really know the gospel. And, and something inside of me went, whoever is talking to me, you're right. I don't. Like, I really don't. Yeah. If you asked me what the gospel was, I wouldn't know how to articulate that. If you asked me what I was saved from, I, I don't, wouldn't know how to explain that. And so something finally clicked. It's like the dam broke open. All the information that was just stored up for years finally came breaking through. And in that moment, I realized my sinfulness. I realized my need for a Savior. I cried out, uh, received Jesus in faith, confessed my sins, repented. I was never the same. Um, found myself going to YWAM, Youth with a Mission, an organization that has you know, um, different, uh, I guess, plants or um, areas all around the world. They train up disciples and send them out. And so I went on a six-month leave from my home after being fired up and coming to Jesus, and I went to Kona, Hawaii. And I stayed there for three months. So you did go to Hawaii. (laughs) That's right. Three months after that, I went to Cambodia. And I saw poverty. I saw real, real struggle. I saw what it looked Mm. like to to suffer on a daily basis. I saw that in a community setting for three months. um, I I lived with these people. I served these people. I taught these people. um, Taught them English. And it's there that I learned I'm gifted to speak. And so I'd been terrified. This is another point in my story I love emphasizing. For most of my life, I was absolutely terrified of public speech. Um, mm. Like you couldn't get me to say a word in front of any small group, even if there's just five people I've known them my whole life. Just to say anything in front of them crippled me. Um, wow. The idea of, of of watching someone and processing in my own mind what they might possibly be thinking of me, and drawing thought bubbles above people's heads, and being and being paralyzed by what people might be thinking about me, how I look, you know, how I sound. I couldn't get a word out. And so to think years later that I find out God has gifted me to speak. God has gifted me to, to make things clear for people and teach the gospel. Like it's just the most ironic thing possible. And so I want to encourage, you know, you listeners, that sometimes, not always, but sometimes uh, the greatest attack point of the enemy in our life is actually the area that God has gifted us in, is actually the area that we're called to to um, really cultivate and develop and, and thrive in. And so I learned that. And so I learned that I was gifted to teach. I ended up getting into ministry, became a youth pastor. You know, all this while still struggling with lust and pornography and fighting the deep hurt and pains of my past childhood trauma and, and losing a brother and, and learning to allow God to heal those broken places of my heart. And here I am, 30 years old. I know I look 15. And I have a wife <laughs> and two kids. You know, I have online ministry packed up our bags from California about a year ago on a word from God. He said, leave. Didn't know where we were going, just trusted he'd bring us where we need to be. And here we are in Florida um, after going through everything we did, watching my parents come to Christ, man. Their lives have never been the same. Watching God give me uh, a beautiful wife and beautiful children and a family to, um, to serve and disciple and cultivate. That's been um, uh, just a revelation of God's love to me. And so here I am, 30 years old, online ministry, still fighting sin, struggling, um, you know, fighting the flesh daily. But God is sufficient. I understand the gospel, and I, I pray that you do too. That's what set me free. It really has been what set me free. That's so beautiful. Wow. That's incredible, man. 
So I had no idea that you had, you had gone to YWAM. <laughs> that sounds like so much fun. There's a point in it my was. time, like uh, in my life, where I I was uh, going to or Roberts University, and I was studying, and I just like was so tired of just like studying, and I was like, I want to do something with my life, like I want to change the world, and um and I thought about YWAM. I was like, oh, I really wanna, I want to go to Hawaii. <laughs> like I want to go to YWAM Hawaii, um or just go to Hawaii and just like be a missionary, just like on my own. And that was something yeah. I always wanted to do. How was your experience with YWAM? It was good. There's so much that I that I uh, developed and, and gleaned from there. And there's a mm. lot that I had that they taught me that I had to unlearn, sadly, mm. which I found myself in a hyper charismatic side of things. Hyper charismania, mm. as they as they call it. And that's that's at least the base I was at in YWAM. That was kind of the, the, the foundation of their beliefs and teaching and how they viewed worship. Hyper charismania. I didn't know what I was getting into, but there's a lot that I learned that has stayed true. You know, that was true to scripture, and there's a lot that I've had to unlearn, which actually moved me into the other unhealthy extreme, which for me was Calvinism and that and the reform side of um, theology, which in and of itself isn't bad. I just don't think Calvinism's biblical. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Okay, <laughs> I've uh, I think in my um, in my studies, it's been kind of really difficult for me too because. Um, I grew up in Baptist church, and so I kind of, like, learned uh, almost like Calvinism. Like, it wasn't, like, so much, uh, it was, like, Reformed stuff, you know, not not into worship or, or speaking in tongues or any of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But then my parents also brought me to a Pentecostal church, which was, like, the ultra extreme. Like, uh, it was ultra Pentecostal and very charismatic. And um, I saw things there that I was like, are y'all even reading your Bibles? Like, what is going on here? And so when I came into the Christian faith, I was super careful of like trying to find a balance between the two. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's where it's really at. It's like a balance between both, like both sides right. of something to offer that is like really, really good. And I don't, I don't think we'll fully know everything until like we reach Jesus. But And, and there's mm-hmm. going to be some people that are, you know, there's just going to be people that are extremely charismatic and there's going to be people that just are a little bit more logical and they're all part of the same body of Christ. Mm-hmm. But um, what led you, like what were some things that you had to kind of like unlearn um, from the charismatic movement that you're just like, I don't, I don't really like this. Yeah, yeah, I think just the hyper-emphasis on um, giftings, tongues, manifestations, miracles, signs, wonders, that side of things. Um, mm. I think those have their place in our faith, and we should be open and willing and believing for those things. But they tend to focus on that to the neglect of truth. And I think truth provides the framework for how we experience these these things. And so... If I don't have the framework for how to even experience, handle these things, or even discern through what's happening, then you find yourself doing a lot of running on a treadmill that you think is honoring God, and it doesn't really amount to much because it's just, uh, you know, whipping up your emotions. And so I had to like kind of unlearn the getting whipped up into an emotional frenzy. The mm-hmm. like honestly, there was a day, there was an actual class <laughs> where they literally had everyone sit down and I said, every one of you is going to speak tongues today. We're going to come around. We're going to give you the gift. Just start mumbling, and it's going to mm-hmm. happen. And I tried. Like, I was one of the only people that wasn't doing what they were expecting of us. And so I tried, you know. I was like, should have bought a hundred, but instead of about a Kia, and do, <laughs> doing what I could, you know. <laughs> Nothing was working, and so I thought there was an issue with me. Um, mm-hmm. And so that kind of bothered me for a long time, discouraged me in my faith while I was there in Kona. But there's a lot I had to unlearn that I've I found middle ground, like you said. There's middle mm. ground between the, the logical side of things and the emotional, experiential side of things. Both have their place. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's super interesting. I think um, my opinions, I, I think I, I've never really taught on tongues or different and giftings before because it's not something that I think like is super incredibly important. Like I'll teach it when people jump on Discord or, or different things like that. But um, I, I I kind of like the way I had I had a hard time believing those kind of things, too. Like when when I when I was in the altar of Pentecostal church, it, it, it was a lot of people falling down and tongues. Mm -hmm. And I always thought I was like, that can't be real like that. That just can't be real. Like, there's no way that that's real. And um, and then I remember I had my encounter with the Lord, which I, I, I brought up somewhere on my YouTube channel. But I, had this, I went to a conference, a Jesus image conference. And and I had like a very strong encounter with the Holy Spirit that was it was emotional, but it was also just not like not myself. And, um, and I've only had that happen to me, I think four other times, four or five other times, like very strong with the, with the Holy spirit where I just begin to weep and I just begin to wail. And it's like this uncontrollable weeping and wailing and, uh, very embarrassing. Would never do it in front of people. <laughs> That's how, you know, it's not from, it's not from me. And, um, and I, and I remember just telling God, I would never judge what he was doing through other people and whatever that may look like, especially because when we read the old Testament, we see so many different examples of, of God doing things that is so outside of our boundaries of just like, why would God do that? You know, like, why would he do those types of things? And I, I couldn't get past me that I was like, well, Samuel, you know, it, it, God is the same always forever. Like, yeah, that's an old covenant. But it's also like, if he moved that way before, he could certainly move now if he wanted to move in those kind of ways. And that kind of freaks mm -hmm. me out too, because it's like, I'm from the islands. And so like, my family's Cuban. And we very very exposed to witchcraft very exposed to santeria mm -hmm. and the over supernatural and and i didn't want to like sometimes especially growing up in the baptist church that's something they'll say all the time it's like that's not from god that's from the devil and so it's like i had i, I was always really careful i'm like that's not you know that can't possibly be from god like that's probably a de demons or demons mm -hmm. are are doing stuff like that yeah. um and and i had to kind of find a balance which is like okay um like maybe that is god Maybe, maybe even that is like um, why the demons do it because it like started first with God or something like that, you know, like they just took it and made it their own. Um, but I've been able to kind of really explore that kind of thing. So even, even like example tongues, um, I think, I think people like, and you can correct me and fill it and what you think about this. Um, Cause by no means am I like a professional in tongues. <laughs> it's not really my thing, but um, I love, I don't know. I don't have no idea, but uh, I love the way Derek, Prince kind of said he's like it's kind of just like a faith thing so it's almost just like it's like our belief it's like salvation um to some people when it comes to tongues it will just be mumblings it will just be like um almost gibberish it's it's not um I think I think most people I think what they want to hear is that that the Holy Spirit will like come into them and possess them and then they just like will start speaking in this like um language and um and then there's, you know, there's different forms of tongues that are mentioned. There's angelic tongues and there's like, you know, actual tongues that you speak in an, an actual language here in, in, um, in our in, in our country or, you know, outside our country. But um, it, it it's kind of just like, okay, you, you believe in faith that you are speaking this an, angelic language, this Holy Spirit language, the Holy Spirit is praying through you. All you're doing is just opening up your mouth and making noises. Um, and then it's the faith that is, is behind that that is the most important. And then, and then interpreting, not so much like the mumblings, but interpreting what your spirit is saying, because the spirit doesn't have a mouth, but we have a mouth. And so as I make those mumbles and I start to like open wide and start to just talk, whatever it is I'm talking, this gibberish I'm talking, my spirit in me is praying something and I have to calculate what is, 
what is it that the spirit in me is saying? It's not, that's not so much. I feel like the mouth is kind of just like the act of faith, you know, like it's not so much, um, the actual like, uh, language, the language is coming from the Holy spirit that's inside of us. Mm-hmm. Um, if that makes any sense. And, and, and so that's been my experience. Cause like, I've never been possessed by the Holy spirit, which is the point where I've been like talking in tongues. And I've been, like, I had, like, I don't, I don't even control my own tongue, but I have seen people that that has happened to. And, um, and so I'm like, that's probably their experience. My experience when I start talking in tongues, it's just like it's literally gibberish and me communing with the Holy Spirit and just feeling like Holy Spirit is praying on behalf of me saying something and I'm coming into agreement and I'm working that agreement out by by an act of faith. And so it kind of breaks that supernatural elements down. And Derek Prince said it like awesomely, even though he's got some weird theological issues as well. Mm-hmm. But um, he I like what he said. He's like, there's going to be some people that are just going to believe that. Um, that, uh, like have the faith to believe that. And there's going to be people that are not gonna, they're not going to want to, uh, do that. And that doesn't make it any less or any greater. Like, it's just, it's a matter of just like, I have faith in this area to do something wild like that. And, or, or I just, I don't, I have, I have, I place my faith in, in other areas of my life to do other stuff that is more. And so I think that that's the giftings is that, um, and then, and then there's that radical gifting, which is like, the language just comes out. I don't know. Like I've, I've seen people just like, I didn't even control that. It was not gibberish to me. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I blacked out and just came out. Um, and for that, I was like, I don't know. But I, if you have any opinions, does that make sense? Or am I just crazy? <laughs> yeah, I'm listening. It's funny. We didn't even plan to talk about tongues. Not at is all. This, <laughs> is this the road you want to go down or do you have other things you want to Yeah, you let's talk share? about it. I like it. I never talked about tongues on my channel. so. Oh, man. Yeah. I've done almost a two-hour in-depth study on my YouTube channel on tongues. Uh, <laughs> all I will say is every time the word tongues is used in the Greek, mm. it refers to a known language. And so I think that's where people need to figure out where the gap is between mm. what they perceive or have experienced and what the scriptures are speaking of when the word tongues is actually utilized, mm. which is an actual Isn't there a passage, language. though? Isn't there a passage that says angelic language? It's not like, a, like an earthly language? So Paul actually talks about this in 1 Corinthians 13. He talks about mm-hmm. how um, even if I, it's all about love, right? Love is patient, mm-hmm. love is kind, love is, assumes the best about people. And so he's talking about even if I fill in the blanks of whatever hypotheticals, and he inserts there, even if I were to speak in the tongues of angels. Mm-hmm. And so people have often uh, interpreted that phrase or that hypothetical Paul is using to speak of an actual reality. And there's a possibility that Paul is speaking of an actual reality, but the actual line of reasoning and context for me, it's framed up as more of even if I could attain what, what isn't uh, realistically attained within this world in angelic language. I, don't, I can't think of any other scripture, and I did a study on it. Mm. There's no other place that speaks to an angelic language or an angelic tongue. And so what he's pulling from, I don't know. I really have no idea. But I said mm. the context implies more to me that his argument is love is what matters most. Not, hey, let's build a theology around the tongues of angels. So if there mm-hmm. is, sweet. But I, th- I see it as there isn't because of the hypothetical he talks about after it. Even if I, um, I could pull up the text, actually. That'd be cool. Why not? Yeah. Well, actually, also another, another area which is super cool. Because, yeah, that's definitely, I think, like, when it comes to interpretation, um, there's a lot of things, uh, like how you're saying, like, in, in its context, is talking about that love. Uh, but who knows? Maybe there is an angelic language. Yeah. Like we, we have yeah, no idea. Um, and uh, uh, another thing that was also brought up to my mind was um, how the, when the disciples in the upper room, when they, they seem drunk, um, why did they seem drunk? 
Why did they seem drunk? Did it seem like like they were speaking really uh, other earthly languages or were they speaking that angelic language? Mm -hmm. What was it about their behavior? And maybe you know this um, since you're doing those Bible studies every day. Um, I have yet to do the book of Acts. (laughs) I've only done so far. I've only done Hebrews, Romans, the gospel of Matthew, Daniel, uh, Nehemiah. But besides Mm -hmm. that, I haven't done exegetically any other ones. Just read through it. That's a butt ton though. Uh, It is like 10 books. I'm trying, and my next one is Jeremiah. But okay, so why were they like it's acting incredible. drunk? Um, what was it that was making people, in your interpretation? Yeah, I think what's going on there is look at us talking about tongues. Is they're viewed as 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 drunk because of the fact that um, they're just like uh, when the spirit falls on Cornelius in his household, or just like when the spirit of God falls on um, the Samaritans. It's this the tongues that's happening is not them. Uh, straining to make it happen it's not like let me just try the tongue it's the spirit of god is flowing through them in such a way mm-hmm. where they are actually bursting out in an in a, in a known language that to the surrounding nations because you have people from um we have parthians medes elamites mm-hmm. residents mesopotamia all there for the feast yeah. and so they're there a perfect time for god to kind of restore that what the tower of babel kind of dispersed the nations into and bring them back and yes. so they begin speaking in the languages that these uh native Israelites from their other countries um, that they were, you know, exiled to that they actually understood. And so I think the drunkenness is more of the um, almost out of controlness or Mm. to an Israelite who doesn't speak those languages, it would sound like gibberish if they didn't speak that language. Or maybe they'd recognize certain uh, Mm. inflections where they're like, hey, that's Persian or hey, that's Egyptian, you know. But mm. I, I think the text tells us that it's known languages because the surrounding, the Jews from surrounding nations understood. And they went, oh my gosh, that's our, that's our language. I have heard mm. someone say the way it's coming out is gibberish to the, the naked eye or the naked ear. Mm-hmm. But then God translates that gibberish into the language of the, uh, the yeah. people who come from surrounding nations. So I thought, yeah, that, that's that's possible i guess sure is yeah, it the, those things are all is possible. it the sound or is it the interpretation when mm-hmm. it hits the ears for the person when it know. comes to those kind of things i'm i have such an open heart because um i think i was so closed off for such a long time that i'm like is it ever is it even gonna really hurt me like if i do do this you know or if i do believe this like it, until i was a fly on the wall of like you know, the brick stone of jerusalem's upper room um I won't know if what it sounded like. Mm-hmm. I won't know if it was an actual language or if it was gibberish or if it was translated through the air, you know. Um, and then there's experiences that I also like from believers today that are experiencing those things that I, I would say they have no reason to lie about those mm-hmm. kind of things, you know. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. um, so I, I love to kind of I love the, the points that you brought up. And, and yeah, it could go either way. Like there's, there's really no way of knowing until we actually face with the, with Jesus and ask him. Um, but that's something that's brought me so much encouragement into my own life is that, um, there's times I I don't know what to pray. Like, I just like, there's only so much you can thank God for, you know, like I wake Mm -hmm. up in the morning and I'm like, God, like, um, thank you for this. Thank you for that. that." And then I, I like run out of stuff to, to, to pray, but I still feel like I need to pray. So it's like at that moment, like, what do I do? Like I could sing. I could do something like that. But there was these prayer meetings that I joined one time. And like I said, I never I never felt like I got the, the gift of tongues. Like I never felt like that was a moment for me. Um, it was just a decision. Like I was like, 
everyone in this room is praying. And I'm like, what do I do? I don't have anything to say, but I feel like I need to pray. I, I want to pray. Um, and so I started like circling around the room, started walking around the room. And, um, and I just started mumbling, just started speaking gibberish, believing that the Holy Spirit in me was praying something for, you know, um, for God. And, um, and so, and then after I, I also got this from Derek Prince, that was such a, a very practical teaching. Cause I, and that's one thing I love about Derek Prince. I don't, I don't listen to him very often, but when I do, he's very like logical and practical and it'll give you step-by-step step where most things in the supernatural, they're not very logical and you cannot explain it. And I, I like mm-hmm. that he explained it. So, um, like I started, I started doing that, um, gibberish tongues, you know, whatever. And, um, and then after a minute or so, I would hear back from the Holy Spirit and I would ask Holy Spirit. I'd be like, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? What did you just pray? And then I would either um, like incline, my, incline my, uh, my thoughts into the voice of the Holy Spirit inside of me to see if there were any words that stuck out to me, any phrases, any quotes, any Bible verses that were sticking out. And then from, from there, if I would hear something, um, then I would, I would, I would say it out loud and I would ask the Holy Spirit, is this, was this what I was praying? And just, just talking to God, you know, just really having communion intimacy. And I think that that's, um, really important to practice because I think God really desires like our intimacy. Like he would like, like when we are just like wedded to him and, and he mm-hmm. likes it when we experiment with him. He likes it when we like, when we talk to him and when we, you know, it's, it's, it's such a personal relationship. Uh, to hear like the voice of God. And and it does in scripture, we have the fullness of God living inside of us through the Holy Spirit. And so just even thinking about that, it, like blows my mind. So I started doing that. Yeah. And then I started making that kind of like a regular practice whenever I could, not very often, honestly, I'll be honest. I very rarely <laughs> speak in tongues. It's like when I'm just like, really don't have anything to pray. Um, or when I'm like, I feel like I, someone needs a word of encouragement, or I'm just kind of in the, in the, in the, back out zone like I'm just not spiritually there um I'll go into tongues and um and then I'll just ask Holy Spirit things like that and 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 the more I practice it it's almost like the better that I become with it which um I guess also what could produce some gift I I like could produce some strife there too because people are like if it's a gift you can't practice it like you just get it and that's it um but you know Paul does tell us like you should desire those things and desiring it would be like yeah practice it asking God like moving in faith everything is through faith and if everything is through faith, then it's like, and, and that's something that pleases God, then surely, you know, we'll get somewhere with that. But that's kind of been my experience with it. Because um, I think for a long time, I wanted that, like I wanted that gift and that possession mm-hmm. of just like letting it happen and having it be a supernatural experience. Like like my encounter when I got quote unquote, the gift of tears or whatever you want to call it, um, that happened like that didn't I didn't work on that um it just like bam like I just hit with the, the Holy Ghost it was an extreme amount of, of his love and I was crying because I could just see so much love in people but um yeah have there been any any giftings for you specifically that you're like this has really encouraged me in my personal walk with Jesus um and then also have used that to encourage others because the gift the gift of tongues is great but it's also, mm-hmm. it's not for you. It's, it's supposed to be for other people. So if you're yeah. not interpreting it and then saying it to somebody else, like, this is what I prayed for. This is what I got back from the Holy Spirit. This is how I can encourage you. Then it's it's kind of pointless a little bit. But uh, yeah, what, yeah, what then it becomes gifts? self-edification. Yeah. And, you know, self-edification, we need that sometimes too. You know, we need to be encouraged by ourselves yeah, sometimes. Yeah, we do. Yeah. But what are some gifts that like, you feel like just have been good for you and your personal relationship? Gifts. Or just things um, you do in intimacy with God. Yeah. Um, I've been reflecting on this a little bit lately. 
prayer is actually, one of the functions of prayer is it's designed to give us space to meditate on what we've studied. It's that prayer is one of, the, one of the facets of prayer is that God has designed prayer to give us space to actually think through, meditate on, um, logically you know, assess and figure out how to apply the truth we've studied. Mm-hmm. And so I use, um, I think that's one of the greatest tools that I've pulled out of my tool belt and developed as, as God has led me to the truth because I want to love Him. I want to fear Him. I want to walk with Him. I want to know Him. I want to, I want to surrender more to Him. I want to know His heart. All of that comes as a byproduct of truth. And so mm. the more truth I understand, not just know intellectually, but understand at the heart level, the more of these byproducts I'll see in my life, the fruit of love, the fruit of joy, the fruit of understanding and fearing God and recognizing His voice throughout my life. And so I, I've learned to take what I read in, 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 in the Bible, however long it is, and then I just go and I process that. I talk to God about it. It almost provides me language for my prayer time. I thank God for what I see in Scripture, or I voice some questions that I have. And so um, I think that's been the, one of the greatest gifts for me is not just that truth guides my life, and not even just that truth guides me into loving God, but truth guides my prayer time and gives me language for when I don't know what to say. And so when I meditate on Scripture, and I, I read about the prodigal son today, I read about how the father had arms open and he ran you know, toward the son and he had a ring ready. I just meditate on that. Mm-hmm. And I let a deeper understanding of that take place as God, I think, teaches and drives it home so that it becomes more of a reality for me. Um, and so I, I love that processing space. And that's not the only way I use prayer, but that is a helpful way um, to think of prayers. God has orchestrated prayer to be a way in which we can commune with him Mm-hmm. intentionally like prayer is talking to God mm-hmm. with intentionality and purpose and it's guided by his truth and we approach him as his child you know and so mm-hmm. I want to love him more and, and, and think of him uh, more appropriately as I live yeah I love that I think uh, I was just uh, reading that uh, verse a, a couple of days ago it just like receive the kingdom of God like like a child like Jesus yeah. said all who receive me like these children do like it, it, you know, it's it's like this 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 innocence, this faith, mm-hmm. and especially if you're a very like practical, like logical person, like you and me, I feel like we're very similar in that kind of way. Like we wanna we wanna know what's really in there, and then be like, mm-hmm. this is what that says, you know, <laughs> and not be moved from there. Um, and and I think sometimes even with all that knowledge and then different things, we also have to be super careful, because if we're not careful, uh, that knowledge will proceed the actual intimacy of presence with the Lord. And and then we lose that that awe. We lose that wonder because we're like, well, I feel like this is the God that I know. And I, I won't move from from this space into other spaces because this is what I've seen. And and the God of wonder is so beyond, you know, our box of different things like that. And so I personally, I love studying. I love studying. And I also have a mentor that's always telling me like, Samuel, you study too much. <laughs> you 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 go into too many commentaries. You listen to too many people, and it's like just meditate with the Lord. You know, meditate with the Holy Spirit. And I've seen that even let's say for example, underground churches, same kind of deal. Um, is that they actually you know what's so funny, bro? They see more miracles, and they see more stuff in their midst, and and they God reveals more to them through the Holy Spirit when they don't have a Bible. And then when they finally get a Bible, those things stop. 
and mm. um and somebody might say like why does that happen like we there's this guy his name's david watson he's a missionary he does been doing this for over 15 years he said every time he goes to a place and he talk, talks to them about the word of god and they can't have bibles because it's illegal or something's going on you'll see crazy just these crazy manifestations of, of god happen in their mm. midst and then and god will reveal to them like personally then they bring in a bible and then it's like all of that stops and he says one of the reasons why it stops is because it's just like there no longer is the need for it because they have the word now. And so it's like they can just, if they want to learn something from God, they can go to the word. And so it's like the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit's there to help for the things that when we don't have versus when mm -hmm. we do have the resources to have it. And so I thought that was super cool because it's like um, just those things. The, the whole point is just like, okay, how can I be knowledgeable um, upon like presence and intimacy with, with the Lord and not let those commentaries and different things like that take that place. Mm -hmm. um, but you study the word of God and you love studying. So do I, and I use the program logos, but how do you like, where does, do you, are there any commentaries? Like how would you, like if someone's listening, like, and they're like, I want to study the word of God too. Like how has Jason John Camacho studied the word of God? <laughs> I love the, the way you said my last name. Um, is that how you say it? an open Bible honestly <laughs> no you said it right I literally just have an open Bible uh, I don't and I'm not priding myself in this I just don't have commentaries I don't look to people to tell me certain things um, that was for a season of my life I did I think to get me off the ground and to get my feet wet and to almost give me a method of studying I did have to glean from people and look to commentaries but like you said once I think you become capable enough or mature enough or God brings you what you need, you can kind of let go of other things that you used to hold on to. And you can go, now I, I'm mature enough to study the Word of God without asking a commentary to tell me what it's saying. Um, yeah. And sometimes there are things I don't know what it says and I'm confused. I'll run to the Hebrew or Greek. I'm not a Greek or Hebrew scholar. I just know how to use Google. And then I'll sometimes look at a commentary, but that's not a part of my studying anymore. Um, I think the Bible Project has been phenomenal for me in, under, in helping me make sense of how to study the Scripture appropriately. Um, so I, I would say go, go listen to the Bible Project. Just by listening to how they break down Scripture and how they arrive at people's certain conclusions. Are you a big fan of oh. Tim Mackey? Uh, yeah, I, li I like Tim Mackey. Yeah. He's gotten a lot of heat yeah. lately. <laughs> ah, yes, he has. But yeah, he's, Do you he's, agree he's with like, his statements of... Um, of, of hell being something that was created by humanity and, and and all that kind of stuff like have you seen and watched that video where he he says that like yeah. god didn't create hell and all that stuff because i i to be honest yeah. i love Timaki and and i loved everything that he said in that video like if you um if you actually do do deep studying with when it comes to judaism and and all that context of the the near ancient uh, civilizations and the, mm -hmm. the things that they think of and how they poetically say things and how they do things. Dr. Michael Heiser, he also talks a lot about those stuff. Like these are theologians that I really respect. When you listen to Tim Mackey, if you come outside of it without any knowledge or, or, or perceptions of any of that kind of theological work, you'll be like, this is heresy. But then when you do have the amount so of, yeah, when you do have the amount of knowledge that you're like, oh, I've actually seen this pop up before in other stuff. And this is like a constant theme in other books and different things and, and poetic strategies and all that stuff. You're like, actually what he's saying is like totally founded, like on truth. Like it may be giving an opinion at one, at one or two points, but a lot of it is true. So what did you think about just like Tim Mackey and, and that whole <laughs> hell being spoken oh, over by, by people? Because I, 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 I also don't believe in like, 
God creating evil. I don't believe he created evil. Mm. I think um, no matter who we look to, no one's a perfect source. Everyone's going to get something wrong. And so never look to any man or any organization or any scholar or theologian as if they're a perfect source and they can't say anything wrong. They can. And so always be discerning, no matter how good of a track record someone has. Uh, Ten years, they never said anything wrong. Doesn't mean they won't. So mm -hmm. have a discerning yeah, ear. Um, but yeah, when it comes to the concept of, of hell uh, being created, um, I honestly don't remember what he says in that video because it's been so long. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't even think um, I understand what he's saying if I were to listen to it. Uh, because I, I think the way it's interpreted or maybe the way he says it isn't actually true to what he truly views. In other words, I think he just misspoke. Um, mm. I really do because I, I hear the rest of his podcast and I'm like, what people think he's saying there is not what he believes. I wish he would like mm -hmm. defend himself and come out and tell us what he really thinks. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't really understand even what he is saying. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't really speak on that. I wish I could. There is a lot of... Um... I think that the, the basis is just like uh, the way that we form evangelism and how we say certain things. And it's all about because um, it, it like how I said, it's like we kind of form things like the way that like God created everything. And so he creates the devil. He creates evil. And then he mm -hmm. creates like um, like the space of hell. Um, and 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 it's like we get to choose. So we, we offer that up to people. It's like, hey. Do you want to go like there's a God, he loves you very much, but uh, do you want to go to heaven or do you want to go to hell? And it's like he's the one who created everything. And we propose that to people. And it's it's kind of like a bad way of proposing anything to anyone. It's like, well, why would I want to follow a God that is just like he's just like like making hell and sending people there? You know, it's like that doesn't sound very loving. That doesn't sound very um, caring, you know, at all. Um, and the, the only thing like as I started to get studying and you can put in your input on this um, is that. I never saw anywhere in the Bible, and I talked about this on another podcast, I never saw anywhere in the Bible where God creates evil. And um, it says, it, it says, it's kind of almost like a little thing. This, and people might say, like, I'm heretical, and if so, you know, whatever. I don't care. I'm still studying, still researching. So if you show me the Bible <laughs> yep. verse, you, that's where uh, I'll, I'll come to agreement. But uh, the only verse ever is like in Isaiah, and it's an, an, out, an out of trance, uh, like out of context verse. That's not actually mm -hmm. what Isaiah is saying. Um, but it's it's like there's God and then there's outside of God and that's how it's always been that's always how it, it it is it's it's a place where he is not there and there's places where God is it's in the forms of his kingdom and 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 even though he can see into the darkness he can like like Daniel even says and there's in Daniel's prayer he says like um, you go into the darkness and you can see into the darkness um, he sees all that stuff outside of his kingdom but he's like his kingdom is where he's at. It's the kingdom of light. So it's like, it's like that's what he's controlled. Uh, that's what he controls over. What he decides to control over, and that's where he wants to be. Separate the, the the light from the darkness. What what is his, and what is not his. And then he sends everyone out of there. So what do you think about like that concept of just um like God not creating evil? That's just something that is there. It's like duality. It's like where's there, where there's light, there's darkness. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I think people arrive at that conclusion because ultimately everything needs an, an origin, point of origin. And so the question then becomes, what is the origin of evil? If God did not create, um, then he oversaw the process of evil coming into the world and allowing it to be so. So they'll put the responsibility on him and they'll say, mm -hmm. he's to blame. He's to blame because there are natural consequences 
consequences. I said it like a Bronx accent. There's natural consequences laced within uh, our reality, which is if you are not with God, the only thing apart from Him is death, is darkness, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so that is just the, the logical conclusion we come to is that without Him, there is nothing but fill in the blank of what the enemy gives, death, destruction, yeah. um, you know, separation from God. And that's why Adam and Eve die in the garden, but they don't die the way you and I think of physical death. They're exiled. They're separated from the garden presence of God. Did God oversee the process and did his law determine it to be so? Sure. But that's laced within the universe is if you're without me, this is what you got. And so yeah, I don't think we have else. to necessarily, <laughs> yeah. Maybe we maybe that's the wrong question is did God create evil? Just how do we avoid what, you know, uh, sinful men are, are headed towards? I think the way to avoid it is to look to Jesus. Um, yeah. Instead of I- sitting there going how much did he how much of a role did God have in this yeah I think I think that was it was really difficult for me as an individual because I was like um I always thought that I really did always think that like I was like well if he's in control of everything and he's almighty and that means that he has had some form of part to play in the creation of evil but then as I started to look into more scripture I don't see that anywhere in scripture it's just like it just something that has always been just like he's always been like we can't even begin to fathom what what is the beginning of, that's like asking a question what is the beginning of god there is no like beginning of god like he just always was and always mm-hmm. is there's light and then there's darkness and that and that's something that i did see in other religions that i thought well it's not really a theme so much i mean it is a theme we just don't pick up on it like it's actually a theme everywhere in the bible it's like there, there's darkness and there's light there's this there's that but um in other religions they make it a little bit more clear like um in the um Middle Eastern, not uh, not not Middle Eastern, uh, the, the Asian um, religions, where it talks about uh, chi and chai or whatever. So what is that thing? The <laughs> the, the the black and the white. Uh, a yin yang. Yeah, the yin yang, and um and they talk about that how those two forces, yeah, those two forces are always at war with each other. But um to subscribe darkness as any type of life force or as any type of power, I think is evil. Uh, well, I, like it's just it's just not right. Like there's God has always been the only life force. Death does death doesn't have any life. There's no personification to death. So anything outside in the darkness, there's no ruler of darkness per se. Like Satan likes to say that he's the ruler of darkness, but he's not. He was created by by God. And so he took on that position for himself. But he doesn't rule anything. As we know, he's gonna burn <laughs> in the in the and the, whatever the, the pit or whatever and so um it, i think like oh, that's where people have a problem they say oh so then you believe in two gods you believe in the god of darkness you believe in the god of light it's like no there's only one god there is no god in darkness like it's just god <laughs> that that's yeah. just everything outside of him but so speaking of so i asked you what are some things in your own life sorry we, I, we had to get into theology because you you like theology <laughs> i do too so I was, I was like we gotta talk about this um you said that you had uh, trouble with public speaking, what is it about mm-hmm. public speaking that you feel like people that what like was was hard for you to do? Like, were you very concerned with like, with what people thought about you, or like were you like, oh, like yeah. did you have insecurities? Um, oh, yeah. Like, talk talk a little bit more about that. All of the above, man. Just insecurity after insecurity, and then I would almost project those insecurities onto people, and assume that they see. They see the real me and those parts of me that I'm really ashamed of and insecure about. Um, I, I would just be, I'm, I'm a people pleaser by nature. And so I'm obsessed with making people like me and approve of me. Mm-hmm. And so that translated into public speech where I would be talking 
and I would not want to mess up or make anyone have any ill will or any bad thought about me. And I'd be terrified that any of them might be thinking something negative about me. And so I'd be in my own head. I couldn't even think about what I was trying to say. I couldn't even think and articulate well what, it, what, it, what are the ideas in my head because I was obsessed with what are they thinking about me and how do I make sure that they don't think anything bad about me and how do I look, how do I sound. Those things that shouldn't be at the center of your mind when you're giving a speech on you know, George Washington. I should be able to think <laughs> about George, right? What do you Shouldn't think that like that came from? It's like the uh, the wanting to like please people. Was there something that happened that you're just like, I was really hurt, traumatized by this? Probably, honestly. Have you ever um, given it any thought? <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever. I've thought about it several times, but I've never gotten to like a good answer. And yeah. I, I don't think there's one scenario or one event. As with most things, it's never just one event. It's like a combination of all these different things that go on. And so I think it was just a a process over time of being bullied enough or um, shamed enough or made fun of enough. What, what that, were you that, bullied for? All kinds of things, man. Any, anything <laughs> a kid will can turn into something that to make fun of you about, that's what I was made fun of. Bullies don't you, even have you look a, like You look like someone who's just like so cool. Like when I first saw you, like I'm like, oh man, this guy's cool. Like you're handsome. You look like, uh, do you do skateboarding? No, I did basketball, weightlifting. You look like like a like a cool skateboarder that's just like out on the beach, like goes through life super chill. Like I can't imagine. Far it's, it's, from it. It's funny to even hear that someone like you was bullied because I was bullied too. I was bullied for being like really feminine and like gay acting or whatever, and and that really got to me. Like I would come home crying every day from school. Um, it's kind of weird to see that in your aspects because I I always like think oh that person hasn't been through that. Like you look so cool, but. You were, no you way. were bullied. No way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bullied a lot. Um, beat up a lot. Couldn't speak up for myself. Hated conflict, you know, ran away, let people step over me and do whatever they wanted, say whatever they wanted, broke me. Um, and it just became an identity thing. It's people, um, I think I'm starting to figure it out. People voiced how, how much they didn't like certain parts of me that mm. I tried to overcompensate and and, and prove to them why I wasn't those things, or I'd own those things, right, and start to carry around this baggage and these lies about what people said about me. But I think everyone on the face of planet Earth has been bullied at some point in their life. Yeah. There's, there's always a bully behind the bully. Always. Yeah. And so do you think any of that has transcribed over to your ministry, like the, the thoughts of um, being liked in ministry or being the sure. best or this area like I, I know that you were talking to um, to me about just having rest and Sabbath like you do a lot in ministry like those Bible studies every single day I can see how you're very like me in that aspect like we want to do everything like we want to change the world we want to be there for people we want to help people we want to make sure we got the Bible right the translations everything um, but then it's like we neglect ourselves in the process because we're just so wanting to be liked and we're wanting yeah. to to also just to help other people not feel like they're not liked. You think that, mm -hmm. is that true? Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. And, and bro, the YouTube side of things is just like 5% of what I do. Mm. Um, if you saw my emails, my DMS, if you saw the discord and the, and the, the private chats I'm having with people and the calls and the discipleship training, you think, how does this guy get any of this done? And I, I honestly I ask myself the same thing every night I go to bed. There's so many facets to this ministry. And I can overwork myself to try and prove I'm something that, frankly, it doesn't really matter whether I'm that or not, 
right? I can overwork myself to try and present people an image of myself that is really ideal, or I can rest in who God says I am, just do what he tells me to do, and mm. let the cards fall where they do. And honestly, there's lots of, I, I've begun to be thankful for those comments that make me want to go hide in a closet and cry and never come out. I've been thankful for those because... Um, what comments, rem- bro? <laughs> I delete them. No, I, I let them say that. Have there been so any that sit out? Like there was, there was one comment the other day that just really got my gears going. You know, like there was, uh, it was this, this guy saying like, "Oh, I saw you on a podcast, and like you keep saying that you're like you're a pastor, but." You shouldn't say that you're a pastor because you're an influencer on TikTok. And like, maybe you should call yourself that. And um, pastors are people who take care of people. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, bro, this guy doesn't even know who I am. Like, little does he know <laughs> that I've had a discipleship for 12, like for two years, yeah. trained up 12 people. I have an entire Discord community, 2,000 people that I'm like taking care of, pastoring, asking their spiritual health. They don't have a church to go to it's so far outside the bounds of like what people know. So what were, what were some comments that you were just like, this is so annoying? <laughs> Dude, just, just like that. Just like that. It's like Satan sends the worst kind of annoying little pests. And they'll, <laughs> uh, there's a John Mulaney special where he talks about how he was, like when he is uh, older in his 20s and he's walking along the sidewalk. I, I got to go here because it's funny. And he's talking about how like junior hires will just yell across the street and, and expose him for like the things he's most embarrassed about. And junior <laughs> hires like have that way of pointing out the one thing you're like, how did you know? I'm terrified of telling people about that. That's like <laughs> me times 100 in the comments section. It's like mm-hmm. everyone that the enemy sends knows exactly like that point of my greatest embarrassment or shame or the thing I'm most insecure about. They just know how to like poke at that constantly and so the comment that you just said bro in one live stream i'll get like 50 of those because there's just so many trolls coming and then it continues in my comment section on the Mm. videos i post it continues in the emails it continues in the dms it continues even on the discord it's like Mm. never ending (laughs) it's never ending but i've begun to recognize that without that i will grow prideful so i praise god for those thorns i really do I'd rather be humble and run to him because of those than to stay away from him because I have none. And so I, I'm thankful for those, man. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Praise for Jesus. trolls. Okay, so for trolls. Um, yeah, I've been on your Discord. And guys, Jason does a lot. Um, and and I actually helped you get started in your Discord. And so um, right. I've seen, I love how, how it's all worked out. But uh, you mentioned worship and just highlight that kind of brought you really close to the Lord. Do you still like what are some of your favorite types of worship today? Like, do you listen to prayer room sets? Are you like really into Carrie Job, the blessing? Like, how does God speak to you? <laughs> so random. <laughs> into worship. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, everybody think, listens to Carrie Job. If you don't dude, listen to Carrie Job, you're not a Christian. <laughs> garbage. I have a whole quiet time playlist full of every artist you can think of. I don't look at the artists to figure out if I can listen to their music. Yeah. Um, I really don't. I listen to the lyrics, and then I, I, I pay attention to my both my emotional response, my, my, my overall life response. How does it make me feel? How do I respond to God in worship? Does it make me think right things about Him? So worship plays a huge role in my life. Sometimes I can't pray because I need worship to kind of stir up right thoughts in me about God so I can begin to have things to pray about. Um, so I have a, man, I'll listen to everyone 
you can think of that, you know, legalistic people would be like, that's heretical. And be like, well, no one asked you. <laughs> <laughs> I listen, so. hey, bro, I listen to Bethel, even though I, I really dislike their theology. I do listen to their songs and I don't care because mo most of their songs are just, they're just beautiful. And they're, they're like, I like them. Like one of my favorite song of Christianity of all time um, is a song that's called You Make Me Happy. And it's literally it has like five lyrics in it. And it's like, God, you make me happy. And that's it. That's like the song. And that's from Bethel. And so um, I'm always like ragging on dominionism and all this other kind of stuff. And um, but hey, man, they do make good music. <laughs> so there's that. Um, but uh, what what is what what is one of your favorite worship songs or, or just like a, a moment that you're like, oh, God really touched me with this song? Mm -hmm. For the last two and a half years, I always run to this song by Elevation Worship, and it's called No One Besides You, um, mm. if I'm remembering correctly. It's from their album, I think 2020 during the pandemic. This song carried me through. No One Beside. It's just, it's pure theological gold, at just pulling out the most beautiful aspects of who God is. There's no one beside you, no one alongside you, there's no one like you. Uh, that song has carried me whenever I, whenever I'm like down and I, mm. and I get depressed, whenever I'm like in despair or overwhelmed or stressed or anxious, I'll turn on the song to remind myself, not only is life not all about me, but he's so good. He's so mm. good. And, and I need to fix my focus on him so I can get through whatever it is that I'm really being overwhelmed by. That song carries me a lot. That's beautiful, man. I'm glad. I'm glad you had that. Call song. me a heretic. You won't. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I actually um so dumb. Christianity like nowadays is just so, bro. The things that we've created, the things how we speak, how we do things is just so outside of the realm of what I feel like Jesus actually wanted us to do, and be. And and I think that's all gonna come crum crumbling down when when we start to face a lot of different persecutions and and our society starts to change. Christianity will have to change with that or else or, or be left behind. Um, and I'm talking mm -hmm. about just like not biblical Christianity. I'm talking about American Western Christianity that we've created where yeah. we rag on people for songs. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, that's that's honestly really great. And it reminds me of uh, John Thurlow. John Thurlow's got some great songs about uh, no one like you. And that's also a constant thing that I'm always singing and worshiping from because it's like when you realize like grace and when you realize God and you realize everything about him there's there's nothing you can do it's just like all you can do is just like awe and glory at the fact that like he's he's been with you he's, he's seen you he's chosen you to be part of his family and and you're just like okay God you are the best <laughs> that's all I gotta say um the best. yeah you the best um all right so one last question let's talk about the the fear of hell and legalism um, so you said you had that fear of hell and all those different things. Um, how would you talk to someone that's like really struggling right now that it's like, they're just so sin focused and like, they're just like, mm -hmm. all I can think about is this a sin? Is this a sin? I keep the 10 commandments. I do this, I do that. Um, and I just have a fear that I'm just going to go to hell, you know, like, like you did at one point in your testimony. Um, what would you mm -hmm. tell that person? How would you give them advice? Um, to steer away from that. I probably print out every scripture I can find that that communicates the love of God. And I'd say, go and meditate on this for a couple of weeks. And I'd say, go and, go and thank God for these things. Because your problem is that you're focused on you and what you bring to the table when it's never been about what we can do. It's never been about what we can bring. It's that we can never bring anything. 
And so Jesus comes down to bring God the ultimate gift that none of us ever could, which is a perfect, spotless, blameless life. And so the longer you focus on you, the more despairing you get. Um, I'm sorry, like, I'm not made to focus on me. I'm not. I'm actually made to focus on Him. And so 1 John 4 will tell us there's no fear in love. Um, mm. Perfect love casts out fear. Whoever mm -hmm. fears has not been perfected in the love of God. Fear has to do with judgment. And so yeah. I'll, never say, I'm ne I'll never say, you're not a believer because you fear hell. I'd say, hey, you just haven't moved or matured out of that fear of hell into a security, a security in God's love for you. And so that's what I want to do for you. I want to send you every scripture about his love. I want to tell you to stop focusing on you and, and focus on everything he's done for you. And then pray that. Thank him for that. Meditate on that. Um, there's so much more I could say. It'll be a five-hour sermon series. <laughs> but it, it really is like just who are you looking to? Who are you really looking to for a sense of hope and security and assurance? And what are you leaning on? What do you find joy in? What do you think about when you go to bed? What do you think about when you wake up? A lot of the times, what my mind naturally gravitates toward the most is what I hold in most high regard. And I want that to be Jesus. I want to learn to like naturally, by default, just think about Him. Because that's what brings joy, is thinking about what He's done for me, not about what I've done for Him. That's mm. not a greater reason for joy or security. He is. He is always. So I'd say, meditate yeah. on His love for you. He's, yeah, he loves you more than you know. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's something I've really appreciated. Um, one of the people I like to listen to is uh, Mike Bickle, and he really magnifies that to an incredible, you know, extent. It's just like we really don't understand the love of God that He has for us, and that's why Paul says that in the scriptures he says that they would know that uh, the love of God deeper, you know, without without measure, you know, um, what's the length, the width, the height. Of God's love because when we understand that we realize yeah it's, it's literally not about us it's about the mm -hmm. perfect lamb it's about what he's done for past present future um how we're all covered in him how he's he won't be ashamed of us um mm -hmm. and how much love he has like one of the reasons why i was telling you that encounter that i had that presence with the lord in that conference i was crying because i looked out into the audience and all i could feel was like this immense amount of love like they were like my own family and, and I just, I couldn't bear it. Like, I literally couldn't bear it. I just, like, started wailing. It was too much love. It was too much. <laughs> and I started crying. And, um, and I was like, man, I can't even begin to imagine how much love God has for us. And falling in that love, um, letting it surround you, surrender to that. That's something Satan doesn't want. The enemy doesn't want. He doesn't want no. you to, to think about no. those things. Um, but like you said, there is, no, um, there is no fear in perfect love because, like, fear comes out of judgment. And we don't, there's no judgment for us anymore. There's no judgment for us. It's been, the wrath of God has been poured out upon Jesus. And so, uh, very beautiful stuff. So tell everybody before you go, what uh, they can get involved in, in your ministry, what you're doing, things you want to advertise. You're like, this is, this is me. This is real. <laughs> I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I know exactly what song you're talking about. I won't sing it. Can't um, You can visit everything at, or visit my website to see everything we have to offer. We just I don't I want to resource you guys and serve you as best as I can. So on my website abovereproachministry.com, uh, you can find all our free resources, our study devotionals, our free online Bible study courses, um, our Bible study workshops, our Discord community. It's all there. Our YouTube channel with all the videos organized by topic. 
on Discord, um, th that's where I'm really focusing all my time and energy lately, is uh, I'm just focusing on the online church that God has given us to steward, uh, appointing the right leaders, developing the right people to oversee and, and lead and cultivate mm -hmm. a good culture and that environment. And, and you know, that, that's where my focus is. Um, and so if you want to get involved, come on over. You, can, you don't have to choose between churches. You can go to both. You can go to 10. Uh, I don't know why you'd limit yourself. It's silly. But come on over and enjoy the voice chats. Enjoy the theological conversations we have and then the not-so-theological conversations we have. Um, so I, there's a lot that we have to offer, and there's lots of ways you can get involved. Um, so the Discord is really where I, I would encourage you guys to go. That's our online church. All right, awesome. Yeah, if you like bodybuilding and you like Bible, you're going to like Jason. Right. <laughs> um, all right. So thank you so much, Jason, for being on. And um, I was on his yeah. podcast as well. I think like, maybe like a year ago or something. I can't remember. And uh, so if you guys want to check that out as well, you can. But uh, thank you for everybody listening. And I hope you have an incredible day. And never forget how much God loves you. Bye. Bye.